0: It's your silly auntie, sissy, your favorite auntie. We're here one last night. It's the last night of Hanukkah. And we're singing a song. We're playing the Jelly Bean trailer. I love you, I love you, I love you more than I love anybody. Because I'm silly auntie, sissy, and we'll go on adventures. We'll have a lot of fun because I'll be your favorite auntie. You can trust me never to squeal. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us for Silly Auntie Sissy Radio Theater. And we got a, a story here. She just found Colin. And now a young Raya. Welcome to Radio Theater sh- Secret Garden. The moor was hidden in mist when the morning came and the rain had stopped pouring down. There could be no going out of doors. Martha was so busy that Mary had no opportunity of talking to her. But in the afternoon she asked her to come and sit with her in the nursery. What's the matter with thee? She asked as soon as they sat down. Thou looks as if they'd something to say. I have. I found out what the crying was. <gasps> there hasn't. Never. I heard it in the night, Mary went on, and I got up and went to see where it came from. It was Colin. I found him. Martha's face became very red with fright. "Eh, Miss Mary, she said, half crying. Thou shouldn't have done it. Thou shouldn't. They'll get me in trouble. I never told thee nothing about him, but they'll get me in trouble. I shall lose my place, and what will mother do? You won't lose your place, said Mary. He was glad I came. We've talked and talked, and he said he was glad I came. ''Was he?'' cried Martha. ''Are thou sure? Thou doesn't know what he's like when anything vexes him. He's a big lad to cry like a baby, but when he's in a passion, he'll flare and scream just to frighten us. He knows us darn't darn call our souls our own.'' ''He wasn't vexed,'' said Mary. ''I asked him if I could go away, and he made me stay. He asked me questions, and I sat on a big footstool and talked to him about India, and about the robin and gardens. He wouldn't let me go.'' He let me see his mother's picture. Before I left him, I sang him to sleep. Martha fairly gasped with amazement. I can scarcely believe thee. It's if they'd walked straight into a lion's den. If he'd been like he is most times, he'd have thrown himself into one of his dizzy fizzies and tantrums. He let me look at him. I looked at him all the time, and he looked at me. We stared, said Mary. I don't know what to do. Mrs. Medlock finds out, she'll think I broke orders and told thee and I shall be packed back to mother. He's not going to tell Mrs. Medlock anything about it yet. It's to be a sort of secret just at first. Aye, that's true enough, the bad lad. And he, sa- and he says everything is obliged to do as he pleases. Yes, aye, that's true enough, the bad lad. He says Mrs. Medlock must and he wants me to come back to talk to him every day and you are to tell me when he wants me. Me, I shall lose my place, I shall for sure. You can't if you are doing what he wants you to do, and everybody is ordered to obey him. Does thou mean to say that he was nice to thee? I think he almost liked me, Mary answered. Thou must have been bewitched him. Do you mean magic? I've heard about magic in India, but I can't make it. I just went into his room, and I was so surprised to see him. I stood and stared, and then he turned around and stared at me, and he thought it was a ghost or something. <sighs> and when I asked him if I must go away he said I must not. The world's coming to an end, gasped Martha. What is the matter with him? Nobody knows for certain, sure. He just raved and said it be another hunchback when he looked when mister Craven looked at his son, he said No, it doesn't matter, he's gonna die. Is Colin a hunchback? Well, he isn't yet, but he began all wrong. Mother said there was nothing trouble and raging in the house to get, there was enough raging to get any child wrong. They're afraid his back was weak and they've always been taking care of it. He said there'd been too much medicine and too much letting him leave his own way, one doctor said. I think he's a very special boy, said Mary. He's the worst youngest now as ever was. I won't say, as he hasn't been a little good, bit. he's had coughs and colds that's nearly killed him, or two or three times. Once he had rheumatic fever, and once he had typhoid A. Mrs. Medlock did get a fright then. He's been out of his head, and she was talking to the nurse. He'll die this time, sure enough, and best thing for him and for everybody, and she looked at him. And there he was, with big blue eyes, staring at her as sensible as she was herself. She didn't know what, what happened, but she just stared at it. her and said, You give me some water and stop talking. "Do You think he will die, asked Mary. Mother said there's no reason why any child should live that gets no fresh air. He's weak and hates the trouble of being taken outdoors. And it gets so cold, so easy, he says it makes him ill. Maryson sat and looked at the fire. I wonder if I would not if it would not do him good to go out into the garden and watch things growing. It did me good. One of thy first fits he ever had was one time they took him out where the roses is by the fountain. He'd been reading in a paper about people getting something called rose cold and began to sneeze and said he'd get get it and the, and then a new gardener as didn't know the rose passed by and looked at him curious. He threw himself to end a passion. He said he looked at him because he was going to be a hunchback. He cried himself into a fever and was ill all night. If he ever gets angry at me, I'll never go and see him again. He'll have thee if he wants thee. They might as well know that at start. Very soon afterward a bell rang and she rolled up her knitting. I dare say thy nurse wants me to stay with him a bit. I hope he's in a good temper. She was out of the room about ten minutes and then she came back. Well, thou hast bewitched him. He's up on his sofa with his picture book. He told the nurse to stay away until six o'clock. I'm to wait in the next room. The minute she was gone, he called me to say, I want Mary Lennox to come and talk to me. And remember, you're not to tell anyone. You better go as quick as you can. Mary's quite w- willing to go quickly. She did not want to see Colin as much as she wanted to see Dickon, but she wanted to see him very much. There's a bright fire on the heart. There are rich colors in colin looked rather like a picture himself he was wrapped in a velvet dressing gown and sat against a big brocade cushion come in i've been thinking about you all morning i've been thinking about you too answered mary you don't know how frightened martha is she says mrs medlock will think she told me about you and then she'll be sent away he frowned go and tell her to come here she is in the next room Mary went and brought her back. Poor Martha was shaking in her shoes. Colin was still frowning. "'Have you to do what I please, or have you not?' "'I have to do what you please, sir,' Martha faltered, turning red. "'Has Medlock to do what I please?' "'Everyone has, sir.' "'Well, then, if I order you to bring Miss Mary to me, how can Medlock send you away if she finds it out?' "'Please don't let her, sir,' said Martha. "'I'll see her away if she dares to say a word about such a thing.' She won't like that, I can tell you. Thank you, sir, bobbing a curtsy. I want to do my duty, sir. Well, I want... What I want is your duty. I'll take care of you. No, go away. When the door closed behind Martha, Colin found Mistress Mary gazing at him. What do you look at me like that? He asked her. I'm thinking about two things. What are they? Tell me. This is the first one. Once in India, I saw a boy who was a rajah. He had rubies and emeralds. He spoke to people just as you spoke to Martha. Everybody had to do everything he said. I think they would have been killed if they hadn't. I shall make you tell me about Rajah's presently. But first tell me about what the second thing was. I was thinking how different you are from Dickon. Who's Dickon? What a queer name. She might as well tell him, she thought. She had liked to hear Martha talk about him. Besides, she longed to talk about him. He's Martha's brother. He's not like anyone else in the world. He can charm foxes and squirrels and birds. He plays a very soft tune on a pipe, and they come and listen. There were words, some big books on the table at his side, and he dragged one suddenly toward him. There's a picture of a snake charmer in this. Come and look at it. The book was a beautiful one with suburb colored illustrations, and he turned to one of them. Can he do that? he asked eagerly. He played on his pipe, But he doesn't call it magic, he says it's because he lives on the moor so much and knows their ways. He says he feels something as if he were a bird. I think he asked the robin questions. It seemed as if they talked to each other in soft chirps. Tell me more about him, he said, Colin said. He knows all about eggs and nests, and he knows where foxes and badgers and otters live. He knows about everything that grows or lives on the moor. Does he like them more? How can he when it's such a great, bare, dreary place? It's the most beautiful place. Thousands of lovely little things all growing. And birds and all the animals chirping and singing and squeaking to each other. They're so busy and having so much fun. How do you know all that? I've been there once, really, said Mary suddenly, remembering. I only drove it over in the dark. I thought it was hideous. Martha told me about it first, and then Dickon. When Dickon talks about it, you feel as if you saw things. You never see anything if you're ill. You never see anything if you're ill," said Collins suddenly. "You can't if you stay in the room," said Mary. "I can't go on the moor." "You might sometimes," said Mary. He moved as if he were startled. "Go on the moor? How could I? I'm going to die." "How do you know?" She didn't like the way he, he had of talking about dying. She did not feel very sympathetic. Oh, I've heard it ever since I remember, he said. There's always whispering about it and thinking I don't notice. Mistress Mary felt quite contrary. She pinched her lips. If they say it, if they wished it, I wouldn't. Who wishes you would? The servants, of course. Dr. Craven because he would get Misselthwaite and be rich instead of poor. When I had typhoid fever, his face got quite fat. I think my father wishes it too. I don't believe he does. That may come in turn. Don't you, he said? And then he lay back on his cushion and was still as if he was thinking. And there was quite a long silence. Perhaps there were both of them thinking strange things children do not usually think of. I like the Grand Doctor from London because he made them take the iron thing off. Did he say you were going to die? No. What did he say? He didn't whisper. Perhaps he knew I hated whispering. I heard him say one thing quite loud. He said the lad might live if he would make up his mind to put him in the humor. It sounded as if he was in the temper. I'll tell you who should put you in the humor, perhaps. I believe Dickon would. He always was talking about live things. He never talks about dead things. She's always looking into the sky to watch birds and looking down at the earth to see something growing. He has such round blue eyes. They're so very wide and happy. And he laughs, such a big laugh with his wide mouth. She pulled her sh- stool nearer to the sofa and her expression quite changed. So here, don't let us talk about dying. I don't like it. Let us talk about living. Let us talk and talk about dickin and then we will go look at your pictures. It was the best thing she could have said to talk about Dickon meant to talk about the moor and about Dickens' mother and the skipping rope and the moor with the sun on it and about pale green points sticking up out of the black sod. It was also a lie that Mary talked more than she had ever talked before, and Colin both laughed and listened as he had never done before, and they both began to laugh over her. Nothings as children will when they are happy together and they laugh so that in the end They are making as much noise as if they had been two ordinary healthy natural ten-year-olds They enjoyed themselves so much. They forgot the pictures and they forgot about the time They had been laughing quite loudly over Ben Weatherstaff and his Robin and Colin was actually sitting up as so if he had forgotten about his week back you know there is one thing we have never once thought of? We're cousins. It seemed so queer that they had talked so much and never and never remembered this simple thing that they had laughed more than ever because they had gotten into the humor to laugh at anything. Dr. Craven stared at actual alarm when they came in and they saw Colin sitting up. Good lord, good lord, what is this? What does it mean? Then Mary was reminded of the boy Raja again. Cowan answered as if neither the doctor's alarm nor Mrs. Medlock's terror were of the slightest consequence. This is my cousin Mary Lennox. I asked her to come and talk to me. I like her. She must come and talk to me whenever I send for her. Oh, sir! I don't know how it happened. There's not a servant on the place they dare to talk to talk. They'll all have their orders. Nobody told her anything, said so Colin. She heard me crying and found me herself. I'm glad you came. Don't be silly, Medlock. Mary saw that Dr. Craven did not look pleased, but it was quite plain that he dared not oppose his patient. He sat down by Colin and felt his pulse. I'm afraid there has been too much excitement. Excitement is not good for you, my boy. I should be excited if she kept away. I'm better. She makes me better. The nurse must bring me her tea with mine. We'll have tea together. Mrs. Medlock and Mr. Craven looked at each other. He does look rather better, ventured Mrs. Medlock. But thinking the matter over, he looked better this morning because she came into the room. She came into the room last night. She stayed with me a long time. She sang a Hindustani song to me and it made me go to sleep. I was better when I wakened up. I, w- I wanted my breakfast. I want my tea now. Tell Nurse Medlock. Dr. Craven did not stay very long. He talked to the nurse for a few minutes. He must not talk too much. He must not forget that he was ill. He must not forget that he was easily tired. Mary thought that there seemed to be a number of uncomfortable things he was not to forget. Colin looked frightful and kept his strange black-lashed eyes fixed on Dr. Craven's face. I want to forget it, he said at last. She makes me forget it. That is why I want her. Dr. Craven did not look happy when he left the room. He gave a puzzled glance at the little girl sitting on the large stool. She had become a stiff, silent child again as soon as she entered, and he could not see what the attraction was. The boy actually did look brighter, however, and he sighed rather heavenly as heavily as he went down the corridor. They're always wanting me to eat things when I don't want to, said Colin, as the nurse brought in the tea and put it on the table by the sofa. Now, if you'll eat, I will have those muffins. They look so nice and hot. Tell me about Raja. Next chapter tomorrow. Nest building. Well, guys, and I wanted to add that it's St. Nicholas Day. Dino says, what is St. Nicholas Day, silly auntie sissy? Well, Dino, I will tell you. You know what. You know what it is. Oh, tell me again. Well, remember how this morning you put your, last night you put your shoe out? And then, this morning there was things in your shoe. That's right. I, yeah. That's because it's St. Nicholas Day. Oh, yeah, I remember you told me about it. St. Nicholas would go around and fill all the little kids' shoes. Ah, that's so sweet. And that was the simplest thing ever. So, happily, St. Nicholas Day! Well, you have a blessed day. I love you, Ellie, Auntie sissy. Thanks for sharing St. Nicholas Day with me. You're welcome Dino. Always I love you more than the moon and the stars and the silver lining.